You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's a big world out there, and you're just looking for a pat on the back or head. You run around the city, searching for a place to bark, working your tail off with your nose to the ground, sniffing for a few scraps, hoping someone will throw you a bone. You take each lead, collar after collar, hoping one day to take a bite out of success and become the top dog. Fortunately, you come home each day to open arms, open cans, a drink waiting for you, and a comfortable place in front of the TV set. You know you've got it good, really good, because after all, it's a doggy dog world out there. Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Liz Palaika, and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, and with me are my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do? And, and all of our dogs. And all of our dogs. Well, so if you well, hear some of them. I know. Well, yeah. If you hear some whines, talks, growls, or other noises in the background, we've got... It's Kate. (laughs) 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 Or Riker, Cisco, Bashir, Walter, Gina. (laughs) Anyway, today we thought we would revisit a podcast that we recorded about three years ago, which I can't believe it's been three years, but... One that we refer to often and talk to students about often, and that are the stages of adjustment that adopted dogs go through. Even though every dog's an individual, we tend to see some pretty distinct stages. So we're going to talk about that. So hold on for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where healthy pets go. Enter the code DOGGY, D-O-G-G-Y, and save 10% on orders of $65 or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com. I play tennis because I love to, but inside, I want to win. Take away the court, the net, I might not be a player, but I'll always be a competitor. Lady Foot Locker understands that. Lady Foot Locker, the first to carry Adidas off-court shoes and the gear that goes with them. If you play your best, there's no regret. Lady Foot Locker, one place, every woman. Go to ladyfootlocker.com and enter the code AFDOG1LF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFDOG1LF. D-O-G-2-L-F to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at LadyFootLocker.com How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business, practice or service is the best most cost effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. 
For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery. Or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. We see a lot of adopted dogs in our classes and in our private training and behavior consultations. I think it's increased, which is nice to see. Yes, yes, it really is. Good. We see a lot of dogs from rescues, from shelters, or private adoptions. Uh, somebody can't keep a dog for a particular reason. But it does take an adjustment for the dog to go to a new home because every home is unique and individual. And I think most dogs tend to go through a little bit of a grieving period when they lose a home, other than Archer. Uh, <laughs> Archer was my husband's service dog, and when my husband passed away, Archer grieved horribly at home. But when I placed him in a new home with my cousin, Archer was thrilled. He was happy to be back with a man and away from the home where he was grieving. So I'm sure he will go through somewhat of an adjustment period, but not the same that we see with a shelter dog or a, a rescue dog. Right. The situation was a little different. The adjustment he was having to make at the home he was in right. was harder. Was harder than yeah. going to yeah, exactly. the new home. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, thankfully, he bonded with Dean very, very quickly. And they had dogs in the house, and apparently... Cisco's brother is litter brother is very much like Cisco, so they bonded well almost immediately. In fact, Dean had kept saying that that oh, Cisco is so much like his brother Harley. Yeah, he did. So, uh, so, so I'm sure that made the adjustment easier too. But we do typically see some um, some some steps that the dog goes through, and grief is the first one, even if the home they were in wasn't the best. It was still the dog's home, and especially if the dog was a good home, the dog is definitely going to grieve. He's going to grieve for his home. He's going to grieve for the people. He's going to grieve for his normal routine because it's all gone away. I think you see that probably a lot more in the humane societies or the shelters. I think you see the dogs are just kind of in this cage. Strange environment. Yeah, uncomfortable Different. I think they seem to grieve there a lot, or maybe it's more noticeable. Well, that's quite a drastic change. Yeah. Even if you've been chained up in the backyard and hardly fed, to go into the shelter, which is quite often quite a cacophony of sounds and smells, smells and different foods and different people, it's just overwhelming. 
which when you're looking for a dog to adopt, keep that in mind. You may not be seeing the true personality of the dog. Pretty much guaranteed you're not seeing the yeah. true personality of and the dog. And we've heard that with people brought them through classes. Exactly that. They One way when they went to visit the dog at the shelter and all of a sudden a week later, it's like, this isn't the same dog. Yeah. Sometimes good, sometimes not. <laughs> exactly. And that some of the shelters are trying to... To give a more home feel, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, walls on three sides at least and couches and chairs. and So the dogs do feel more like they're in another home. But, but that's, also that's, for real, that's also real tough to do in a shelter environment because yeah. it's hard to maintain that. It's hard to keep it clean, especially if there's an outbreak of kennel cough or something like that. It's, yep. it's very difficult. Expensive. Inexpensive. I applaud them for trying to do that, Mm -hmm. but it's tough. Another thing that we often see is once they're in the new home, some difficulty learning the new routine because every household does things differently. Yeah. I mean, we've had, well, one gentleman who just finished one of our classes, and I think he only had the dog, oh my gosh, what do you say, two or three days, and he wanted to start the training on the right foot, since they're both new to each other, wanted to establish good rules properly. And him and that dog, by the end of the seven weeks, were buddies. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Weird analogy alert coming. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, but whenever we take a puppy dog into our home, we're, we're bringing in a foreign exchange student. Right. True. But they're going to stay, <laughs> we hope. And so they have dog culture, dog language. And then you have a dog who's adapted to a different human family culture, hopefully. And then they've lost that for whatever reason. And now they're coming into another new culture. Right. And that's an adjustment. They may not speak the same vocabulary, use the same words, tones, and gestures, feed the same way. I've often said it's like one of our astronauts landing on Mars and the Martian residents greeting him but they're not two-legged people they don't communicate verbally they communicate in a whole new way that we've never even thought about and trying to exchange ideas with these martians it's a challenge i think it was the other day (laughs) or this weekend i had heard kate using this analogy on a student in your class because i remember Uh turning around going what is she saying? You were doing Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. That's what I was. Because I was watching when we came out to practice. The dog was not paying attention to the woman at all in the first place. And then she kept just going, sit, 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 sit. And I think it was the second week. So I, I came up to her and I went, well, did big body. Yeah. And stared at her expectantly, and she went, what? what? And I said, big, 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 poverty! I was and cracking up, up, I was hearing that. And she's like, what? And I said, it's that, that feeling of confusion that you yeah. have right now. That is your dog when you're saying sit to it. It yeah. has no idea what that sound coming out of your mouth means yet. <laughs> no more than you understand what biggity-baggity means. Oh, well, let's get some understanding first. We've often said that. Your dog does not have a dictionary or a thesaurus, yep. 
he doesn't know this, we have to teach them. Sometimes but, you have to just create that visceral feeling in the person. Oh, yes. No, I totally agree. <laughs> I just never thought of that before. Uh, you don't uh, use it very often, but it's, it's effective. <laughs> but the other Not part... My attention. <laughs> the other part of the adjustment, though, is a different schedule, a different routine, different ways of doing things. What if they're children, no children? I mean, it's just other animals in the house. Fragile grandma. So uh, many differences. Right. So there's also very often a feeling of confusion. Well, wait a minute. I grew up in a household where we did this. And now these people are doing something totally different. I used to get swatted if I got up on the couch. Now these people are inviting me up. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's... Newly adopted dogs, or the owners of these dogs, need to be aware that there may be some confusion, some fear. And that brings up another thing. We often have people come to class and say, this dog had to have been abused. Oh, yeah. Because, That's 98% of them. Because he, he's afraid. Yeah. Well, some dogs are abused. Gina was horribly abused when you right. got her, complete with cigarette burns and ducking at anything that moved over her head. But many dogs that are given up may have had very good homes and were given up for who knows what. In in this economy, well, if, in the last couple of years, many dogs were given up because their owners lost their homes to foreclosure. Yeah, right. And they could have been very well-loved members of the family. and But the family may have been going to a teeny tiny apartment that didn't allow dogs. But the fear, I think, often comes both from that grieving... And because of the change. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the different. And no trust yet to counter that fear. Right. And then a lot of people feed into it. Well, you poor baby. Yeah, exactly. Here, let me love on you and make it all better. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So then they're like, oh, gosh, I'm supposed to be fearful. When I brought Cisco home. Because that works for him. Cisco was born and raised on a dairy goat ranch in the mountains of Arizona. Came here to San Diego, California. <laughs> he was the country dog come to the city, <laughs> just like the fairy tale. But he was very fearful for several weeks. Yeah, he was. Because, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. this sensory world, overload. Sensory overload. Go for a walk at the harbor and a sea lion barked at him. What the <laughs> heck was that? They don't have those in the desert. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah it's, it's usually the first month the first 30 days is when all this is happening and that's what happened with cisco right right and he's come out of it now i mean he got a little startled this evening by the grill <laughs> jumping at him <laughs> the barbecue but um he's a confident well-adjusted young adolescent dog but the first month if i didn't know better i would have probably taken him back to the breeder going this is a very frightened fearful puppy and how sad but he he came out of it of course i didn't reinforce that fear either or how about the puppy dog that i was working with this afternoon um been in the same fat home all of her life well loved well cared for uh with a pack of her litter mates mom dad i mean the woman's a breeder and yet when because she had such a stable loving calm in general family it's one of my rationales that when anything did startle her she had no experience with how to deal with it. And so she just totally went, blah, 
fell apart. Sure. Yeah. So I'm actually teaching her that you can be startled, and here's what you do about it. Right. And then finding different things to... It's getting harder and harder to find things to startle her now, because she goes, startled, wait, I'll think it through, I'll listen to the humans. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Now, the second stage of adjustment tends to be the dog going, hmm, okay, perhaps I'm going to stay here. And he starts learning the new routine and fitting in with the new routine. And then the new owners tend to become a little complacent. I really adopted a good dog. He's pretty cool. And then they go into the third month and everything all falls apart. (laughs) And of course, yeah. backing up, um, the majority of dogs that are seen, that are given up to the pound or the shelter, whatever, um, are often in adolescence. Right. Because they have hit that life stage where they're challenging mom and dad. They're sure. Challenging the current pack. Right. And so a lot of people go, whoop, the dog is in trouble now, get rid of them. Right. So then this dog enters into a new environment. Okay, let's let's hang low. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's get it's over. Like his adolescence was delayed, stopped or delayed, kind of temporary hold. And now, okay, I'm going to be here. Let's see who the sheriff in town is. <laughs> yep. Let me see if I can start adding my vote to how things are run. They start pushing buttons a bit. And that's part of adolescence, whether they stay with your home or go to a new home. So, it's a so, developmental process. Yeah, so these dogs are, are basically giving their new owners a double whammy. Yeah. They're feeling comfortable in the new home and comfortable enough to try new things. Right. And, and added to that is the stage of development that's very natural, but adolescence. Uh, if we were to use a good comparison, that would be a 15-year-old boy being adopted into a new home, new family. And initially, he's going to be a little hesitant. Hmm? Wonder what the rules are. May may, may I get something out of the refrigerator? Please. Yes. Okay. And then... And then month two is what, Kate? (laughs) Get your sneakers off the coffee table. What? I'm just watching TV and breathing. (laughs) Very good comparison. (laughs) And often that's when we see these dogs in class. And they say, well, you know, when we first adopted him, he was such a good dog. Mm -hmm. And our first question is, how long have you had him? And the second question is, how old is he? And then when we tell the owner, ah, well, he's right on schedule. They look at us quizzically like, what do you mean? (laughs) What schedule? And that's the time when it all breaks loose, and he's going to see exactly how far he can push it. And if the good thing about knowing that is that we see with our own dogs, we look at each other and go, okay, adolescence. That doesn't mean we don't do anything about it. Right. right. But we can laugh right. a little bit, relax, and go, okay, it's a stage. That means we have to do such and so. Well, you said the other day with Cisco that, oh, he's hitting adolescence now. Right. That means I can't leave him free in the house. When I leave, yeah. Well, Cisco had been a very good puppy, never chewed on anything other than toys. He'd been very respectful of things. And then two days ago, I believe it was, I went out to run some errands, was only gone about an hour, came home, and the blankets, the throws off the sofa were outside. 
The new dog bed was jammed up against the dog door where he had tried to pull it out through the dog door. And there were a couple other things. Oh, now, go. he hadn't chewed anything. He had just... He'd been redecorating. Moved. He'd been redecorating. Got it. Yes. Got it. And he was obviously very joyful about it because when I walked in, he was bouncing around and smiling and happy and, Mom, look what I did. Now, I did not yell at him. I didn't punish him. I didn't do anything except gather the belongings back and put them where they belonged because it wasn't his fault. I had given him freedom while I was gone because up to that point, he had deserved it. But now, the last few days, (laughs) when I've been leaving the house, he's been in his crate. The crate was still there. The crate was waiting for him. But now I'm closing the door. And I don't put him in his crate and scold him. I put him in his crate, give him something to chew on, or a toy, or a treat. Because, as I said, it wasn't his fault. But at 12 months old now, he's obviously hit adolescence. And I figure he'll probably be in the crate for the next six or eight months if he goes according to schedule. (laughs) So, you know, knowing it and then, so you don't get upset. No. It's not the dog's fault. Um, You don't get mad at yourself. No. But you just say, okay, these are the things I need to do Mm -hmm. to help him through this stage. Right. To make good decisions. Right. And then once again be an adult. I don't want any of these behaviors to turn into habits. And most importantly, I don't want them to turn into self-rewarding behaviors. If he drags the blankets outside too many times and it's too much fun, then he's not going to stop because it's self-rewarding. So... When he greeted me with his happy body language and his big smile, I didn't reward it. It wasn't rewarded at all. I didn't yell at him, but I didn't reward him either. So sometimes we have, I have seen an adult dog in age who has been adopted out, and they will regress back to adolescence. Sure. So what did Connie call it? The other? Situational That's adolescence. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. of the transition in homes. Mm-hmm. So then you have to work through that whole thing. And that, again, just like with a adolescence of time, mm-hmm. if you've got situational adolescence, do you do the same thing? You just say, these are the rules of this house. As long as you live in my house, you will obey my rules. Okay. Right. Right. That's the idea. A little, yeah, sure. We say it a little differently to the dogs. All right. Well, we're going to continue this conversation because we got lots more to talk about adopted dogs. We've all adopted them. But uh, we need to take a break for our sponsors. So hold on and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash world, W-O-R-L-D, to get 10% off any order. 
and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. I play tennis because I love to. But inside, I want to win. Take away the court, the net. I might not be a player, but I'll always be a competitor. Lady Foot Locker understands that. Lady Foot Locker, the first to carry Adidas off-court shoes and the gear that goes with them. If you play your best, there's no regret. Lady Foot Locker, one place, every woman. Go to ladyfootlocker.com and enter the code AFDOG. 1LF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more or enter the code AFDOG2LF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at ladyfootlocker.com. <laughs> the world has changed. One in five relationships now begin on an online dating site. And while you never know where things will lead, Match.com has led to more dates, more relationships, and more marriages than any other site. Join today. Pet Life Radio listeners get 25% off the price of a membership. Just go to mevio.match.com and enter the code DOGGY, D-O-G-G-Y. That's M-E-V-I-O dot M-A-T-C-H dot com and enter the code DOGGY to get 25% off Match.com. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. We're talking today about uh, the stages of adjustment that adopted dogs go through. And as we said at the beginning of this podcast, or as Petra said, we're seeing a lot more adopted dogs, and that's very nice. The more that find homes that need them, the less are euthanized. And now, you know, every dog is going to be an individual, but we do see some things that are fairly typical. One of which I think is when they come along to the third month after adoption is an acceptance. I think the dog at that point, even though it's three months in and the owner may think, well, he seemed at home here after two weeks, it really does take a little bit of time for the dog to accept the situation he's in and start to relax and calm down and follow the rules and learn what the routine is. And you can see the bonding with the new owners at that point. And when we notice it in class, I know many times I can say, okay, you're approaching month three. They look at me like, what? Say, because I could see it. You guys are now working together. He's now wanting to please you and you're, and you are praising your dog. And 
and with a heart, not like oh he's a good boy. More feeling well, to it. There, there's a relationship bond. there. The, the relationship, yes. Instead of just yes. owner and dog, right? You can you and can you buy a dog, but you can't buy the wag of his tail. Right. right. You have to develop a relationship, mm-hmm. and relationships take time. Yeah, period. and it's nice to see that because you say, well, remember seven weeks ago, week one, you guys were kind of like you know who's the boss type of thing, and now look. So that brings up a good point. How do we build that bond? Well, I have no idea. No, I, <laughs> I just had to say that. We were all being too serious. <laughs> As Gina bounces up and goes, huh? What? What? My baby girl. Yeah. How did I do it with her? I, I trained. Because to me, another word for training is communication. Right. And if I've got a, a critter living in my house, whether it's two-legged or four-legged... Um, or wings. Well, I'll, I'll let out the scales. I don't have those. But <laughs> Well, it's pretty hard to teach reptiles. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to communicate my desires and wants to them so that we can live together harmoniously. Same thing with a two-legged. That's what I call people. Um, you know, if you can't discuss something with a person and roommates or deeper relationship... Well, <laughs> It, it's very hard to be in the same environment with them. And I think the same thing with my, my dogs are not just decorations. They're entities. So anyway, so for me, training is teaching them that the sounds I make, whether it's or something else that has a meaning and that their life is better when they listen to that meaning. And then the whole process of teaching develops that bond. Right. Right. Develops I think... Bond. Play is an important thing, too. Although training should be fun, and we try to make it fun, play is a totally different form of activity. And I think with play, we're more apt to smile and laugh and giggle and rub the tummy and, and throw the ball and mm-hmm. frisbee and, or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, play tug-of-war with a dog. But I think with play... We relax more. Right. And I think that's a very important part of building the relationship. And I'm going to add one more in there, quiet time. Oh, quiet time, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my dogs are allowed on the couch, mm-hmm. and they'll just kind of take turns, mm-hmm. and quiet time is nice. They're laying there, and they just, whether it's when I'm watching a movie or something, they get just massaged, mm-hmm. or if it's just a brushing, something. But it's mm-hmm. quiet, relaxing Nice bonding moment. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. The trilogy. So you you work the mind, you work the body, and then you work the soul. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all part of the relationship building. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere amongst all three of those is building trust. There's yep. to, to have a good relationship with the dog, the dog's got to trust you, whether it be during your training going for a walk and asking him to walk across the funny-looking footbridge, trust when you're grooming him or medicating mm-hmm. an infected ear or or whatever. The dog has got to be able to trust you. Mm-hmm. And that response, the responsibility for that comes totally down on the owner. You've got to be able to communicate to the dog that you're, you're safe and you're caring and you're kind. And that doesn't mean spoil rotten. But but trustworthy. Yeah. That's a good... Oh, you've got me thinking. 
God, again? Oh, I no. Because when, when, when you said, how do you develop trust with a dog? My, my first thought was to be predictable is not the word I want, but consistent. So the dog knows if A happens, B occurs. Right. If C happens, D occurs. I can rely upon that. Sure. I know what to expect. To me, that's one of the first stages. Well, that's one of the first things I had to do with Gina was teach her that things were reliable. And then the trust, the trust is another level of reliability. See, I think with Cisco, when I brought him home, the first thing I had to teach him was trust because he was so fearful of all the changes in his environment. He needed to know that if he was worried, I was trustworthy. I was safe. And so that's what he did. If he saw something that worried him, when we went for a walk at the harbor and a sea lion barked, he backed up until he touched my legs. Okay. I don't know this woman real well. She's new to me, but she's safe. I can trust her. Mm -hmm. And then the relationship took off from there. Mm -hmm. So even today, when the grill was scary, when he bounced it and it shook and made funny noises and ashes fell down and he dashed away, when I called him to come up to me, he would. Right. Right. So that's trust. There were lots of tongue flicks because I was standing right next to that scary grill that made noise <laughs> and smelled so bad, but he still came up to me. Mm -hmm. So I think building that trust with a newly adopted dog is it's very important. And when you have it established, it's nice because, well, I've gone through all sorts of little weird injuries with my dogs. But that even if they are in pain, they hurt, they trust that you're going to help them. Sure. You know, and I think that's probably one of the ultimate ones. Well, when you Cisco have that broke developed, his, you know it's there when they allow Cisco you to Cisco broke them. a toenail. I asked them at the veterinarians when I picked him up, how did, how was he? Awesome. He let us do anything. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. which could have been a very scary situation. Oh, God, oh, your brain okay. is working. No, oh, well, okay. I, I'm going to brag. I, I, okay. I, have, I have to tell you all, smoke's coming out of her ears. <laughs> it, at first, I was just astonished, but now I'm going to brag. When I first got Gina, and she was an adolescent, uh, definitely had been abused and starved, had a litter of puppies, etc. Okay, for whatever C reason. Cigarette burns and everything else. For whatever reason, on first sighting, she trusted me. Mm -hmm. But I was also aware that she had high potential to be a fear biter. And if startled, that was her reflex, was to snap. And it's happened a couple of times. And I've had to work very hard on teaching mm -hmm. her not to be startled as much and to trust more people than just me. And mm -hmm. teaching people who are around her often how to behave around her so right. that not to set her off. Right. Yeah. But last week, she had uh, hemorrhagic and teritis for whatever reason. Still don't know. And she was, she was one sick little girl. And she had to stay at the hospital for two days. I took her home overnight, but she stayed there for two full days with an IV catheter, getting fluids, getting um, injections, and... When I first started taking her to that vet several years ago, it was like, she could be a fear biter. If you take her into the back, do not hesitate to muzzle her. I want everybody to stay safe, blah, blah. Well, when I went to pick her up after the second day, the first day wasn't really, because she wasn't, she still wasn't she feeling was good. So she came out still kind of, oh. But they brought her out to me in the waiting room on the second day. 
she was feeling good. She was ready to go home. <laughs> she was ready to eat. And she came bouncing out of the back. And there was a, another client there at the counter. And she bounced over to that other person and <laughs> bumped them. Who happened to be one of our training students. Students, yeah. <laughs> just by coincidence. But um, she licked that woman's hand and head bumped her. Here's this, you know, Rottweiler doing all of this. And she's like, oh, my. And then I called her. She ran to me. I said hi. Then she turned around and ran back to the vet tech. And head bumped her and nudged her and gave her kisses and then ran back to me and then ran back to the vet tech. And, and meanwhile, was, Kate is going, who is this and what happened to my Rottweiler? <laughs> and what were the drugs she'd been giving her? <laughs> Can I have more so, to bring home? Slip some happy drugs into that IV. <laughs> but I was, I was so astonished at the beginning because I still have this picture in my mind of her being a fear biter. And I need to keep that to keep everybody safe in my mind. But she has, it really showed me how far she has come. Oh, definitely. In trusting people in general. Right. Mm -hmm. Not just me, but others mm -hmm. as well. But I think that's that foundation that we started with. Sure. And rules. Exactly. And love. Exactly. Um, but to me, that's what love is. Taking care of them. Right. Right. And expecting them to be the the good creatures they can be. High expectations. High expectations. <laughs> Come back to that again. You hear that from us a lot. We get a few certain key phrases. Set them up to succeed. Have high expectations. And, and teach all them. works out. Right, right. It all works out. Right. Good all right. Question. Well, I hope, again, as with all our podcasts, I hope our rambling conversations uh, give you something to think about. Everybody who rescues dogs fosters them and or adopts them, and many fosters do turn into adoptions, <laughs> has their own, own way and technique of, of dealing with these dogs who can have some emotional issues, some grieving or some upset. But uh, hopefully we gave you some, some food for thought. So on that, we'll call it a night, and thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Having a rough day... Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.